Hi, I'm Christy Maver, VP of Marketing at Numenta, here with Jeff Hawkins, co-founder at Numenta and author of A Thousand Brains, A New Theory of Intelligence. Hello, Jeff. Hi, Christy. So this is our fourth and final video in our series uh, covering the book. And in this video, we're going to talk about part three, human intelligence. Um, I've been really excited to talk to you about this part. I've mentioned before and in, in some of our other videos how I think many of the ideas in this section will um, will surprise people. So, um, you know, this the section of this book is really about how human intelligence has been the reason for much of our success as a species, but it also is an existential threat in itself. And you you address what that means and you provide some ideas of, of how we can address that. So um, I thought maybe what we would do for this section is go through, you know, you have a um, five chapters in this section and just have you talk about, uh, you know, at a, at a high level um, each chapter uh, in part three. Yeah, that's a good idea. I should start, before we do that, I should point out that um, this chapter, this section covers a lot of different topics, as you point out. They're all related to intelligence, and they're all tied together in some ways. Um, however, um, uh, these are these are it's all about things that are going to happen in the future and things that might happen in the future, and and uh, and so in some sense you could say they're speculative. I, the point is that um, I think these are things we should be talking about. And, um, and I'm gonna make some proposals in this, these chapters, which um, I think are, they're there not because I'm trying to tell people what we should do, but I, I'm trying to suggest things, new ways of thinking about things, uh, that ways we haven't thought about them before. And, and so it's just, it's to be provocative in that sense, not provocative to get your hackles up, but provocative to say, hey, I hadn't thought about that, you know? And hopefully, yeah, and hopefully generate some, some truly thoughtful discussions. Yeah, yeah, I think. You know, I'll just tie back, you know, the forward of the book was uh, written by Richard uh, Dawkins, the biologist, and he loved this section of the book because he, he said this out, he, you'll see it in his forward, he said, like, there's all these great new ideas here, <laughs> we know, we should think about this stuff. So I was really pleased by that. Okay, so let's, okay. Uh, let's so do it. Yeah, so the first chapter in this section um, is false beliefs, which now keeping in mind that you started writing this, you know, a few years ago, a couple yeah. of years ago, and, and yeah, it's, today. It's right, right now, right at sort of the, right at the transition between the, yes. the United so, States. Uh, yeah, so first <laughs> about what's in this chapter of false beliefs. Uh, yeah, I think this is something that's been on my mind my whole life. Um, uh, and it's, it's the fact that humans believe different things and, and deeply, and we can't all be right. Uh, that is, there's, there's, there aren't multiple realities, you know what I'm saying? Uh, there's one reality and we may not know it, um, but there's one. And so we just, we need to acknowledge the fact that when we believe different things, um, uh, then we can't all be right. And I, and I have a, now that we understand how the neocortex of the brain learned to model the world and what it means to be intelligent, um, we can put a little bit more meat around that idea. We can say, okay, what is a false belief? Um, well, how does that occur? How can the brain believe something which is false? And the, the shorter answer is, uh, and this is surprising, but it's well understood among neuroscientists, is that we don't actually perceive the world. We perceive the model of the world in our head. Uh, I, I know it doesn't feel like that. It feels like you're looking out at the world and you're seeing something, you know? 
But in reality, that's not what's actually happening. You're, you're getting sensory input from the world, but what, the way you perceive it is the model. And, um, and all of their, and I give examples to make this case. Uh, and, uh, and so, you know, if our models are different, we perceive the world differently. And, uh, and so this is an inherent problem of the way, or a problem of the way the brain is structured. Um, it, it really came about with the introduction of language because prior to language, we all experienced the same things in the world. It's kind of hard to, if, if you look at a chair and I look at a chair, it's kind of hard to come up with different beliefs about the chair. Mm -hmm. But if I hear someone describe the history of uh, the, uh, the United States and someone else describes the history of the United States, they may tell you in different, use different words and we end up with different beliefs. Anyway, so I go through a series of examples of, of how brains can have false beliefs. Uh, some of them are, you know, very biologically based. Um, you know, uh, I, there's, a, there's an example of, you know, people who've lost a, a limb, like an arm. Their brain still has a model of the arm, and they believe the arm is there. They sense the arm. They say, I have this arm, even though it's gone. They can see that it's missing, but their brain says it's there still. So these are the kind of weird things that can happen. Um, so anyway, I developed this, you know, talk about the nature of false beliefs, how we're all susceptible to them. Um, and what are the sort of core biological or, or brain principles underlying them? Um, and, and then, you know, what we might do about that, how we could go about that. I have a lot, uh, in, in my copy, I have a lot, there's a lot that's underlined. In this <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think if we think about the success of our species in the long term, um, we need to come to grips with this. We, have to, we all have to understand that we can be certain something is right and be absolutely wrong. Mm -hmm. And um, that's just something, it, it, that's, and it's, you'll see at the very end of the book, um, I make the plea that we should be teaching this to every child, <laughs> how their brain works. Because yeah. one of the things you need to know about your brain works is it can have false beliefs and, and they're hard to, hard to know them. And so how are we gonna, how are we gonna tackle that? Yeah. So anyway, I, that chapter I think is important and it leads into the next one. Mm -hmm. um, existential risks of human intelligence. Yeah. So as we talked about in the previous video in section two of the book, uh, I talked about the existential risks of AI, artificial mm -hmm. intelligence. And I argued that um, it's not like people think it is. It's different than they think it is. And there really isn't an existential risk to artificial intelligence uh, unless we make it so. It wouldn't happen on its own. But um, unfortunately with humans, uh, I really do believe there's an existential risk to our own intelligence. And, and this has to basically, the, the idea here is that we have this intelligent part of our brain, the 70% of our brain that's the neocortex, which is, makes us really smart or smart, smarter than other species. And we have language, we have all these things that really make us capable. And we can build powerful tools and powerful technologies, but we're still paired with this older part of the brain. 30% of our brain is this older part of the brain, which are our primitive emotions and desires and, and uh, and, and, you know, they make us do bad things, you know? <laughs> well, they're good from an evolutionary point of view, but they're not necessarily good from a humanity point of view. Um, and so we are this conflicted brain here. We have this old parts of the brain, which are like, you know, honestly, you know, things like, you know, infidelity and cheating and, and so on are, are biologically evolutionary desirable things at times. And yet we, when we pair these, you know, these, these old brain feelings and old brain emotions with our powerful intelligence and technologies, it does create an existential risk uh, that we might use our technologies uh, to, to destroy ourselves or just not be able to control population growth or not be able to control uh, our polluting of the, of the earth. Um, and, uh, and so I, I'm trying to, 
at least point out the role that intelligence plays in these existential risks and 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 just clearly lay out the the, the, the different components that underlying it, as opposed to saying, oh, we're destroying the earth, but what part of our brain is destroying the earth and why? And how do these different things you know, work together uh, is to put some uh, color or light on, the, on that problem in a way and make, make people realize that, that we are our own existential risks, that we, we do run the risk of uh, potentially making our earth uninhabitable or mass you know, killing billions of people. So um, it's not to be a downer about the whole thing. It's, it's just to try to be honest about it. Right, right. Let's talk about the, the next chapter is called Merging Brains and Machines. Yeah. Um, I brought this, you know, this is something that I know there's a, a lot of people are working on this. These are, and I've talked about two basic things here. There's the idea that you could upload your brain into a machine and therefore free yourself, live forever as an intelligent machine, like you could be the same person in, your, in a machine. Um, this is a common science fiction uh, theme, but it's also people really want to do it and they're working at it. And the other one is uh, the other basic concept I talked about in this chapter is merging brains with machines. Like, okay, I'm still a biological person, but I'm going to have a probe in my brain, which is now massively computing, you know, connecting to computers and so on. And I talked about the, the possibilities of this, the limits of it. Is it really doable or not doable? Um, what are the uh, what are the issues associated with this? Um, and um, and I because there's a lot of chatter about this in certain communities and, and people think about this, but I don't think they're thinking about it correctly. Uh, many people are not really understanding what does it mean to upload your brain into a computer. What what does that really mean? You know, it sounds simple. Yeah, I can upload my brain into the computer. I'll be there. Wonderful. Um, but if you walk through it a bit, it's like. Eh, not so easy and um and you may and, and here's the thing i think might be a little controversial i point out that i don't think you would like the result i don't think people really want to do this and they haven't thought through it enough to understand why so um i make the case uh, for that uh, anyway it's it's sort of a completing the picture chapter it's like i know there's people who think about intelligence and think about brains who are interested in these things um and i and i felt like okay I, this is not the major theme of my book but uh, we've learned something about intelligence in brains that implies to those, those ideas. And I thought it was really worthwhile um, having that discussion about you know, what, what, what's it really like. I recall having, when, uh, when we read an early copy, we at, at Numenta, I recall this chapter generating a lot of discussion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I think some, even some of our own employees are a little like, really, I want them to do that. You know, I want to upload my brain. I want to upload my brain. Don't you want to upload your brain? I said, okay, well, let's just walk through it again. <laughs> you might want to, but uh, uh, I just, again, I think people haven't thought through it completely. Uh, so um, I, I'm trying to do more of that in that chapter. So in the, the next chapter um, is a, a catchy title as well, Estate Planning for Humanity. Yeah. So most people know what estate planning is, but... Uh. Yeah, yeah. Um, this, this actually uh, is, is a sort of the, the introductory to the next chapter in some sense. So they kind of go together. Um, but uh, estate planning for humanity. Well, let's review what estate planning is. Estate planning is you something do while you're living. Um, which is really has its only benefit when you're gone, right? It's like, okay, yes, it's, it's not gonna help me, but it'll help people beyond me and my children or other people, whatever. And so um, 
I've asked the question, well, what, you know, humans are not going to survive forever. That's a fact. This is, there's a fact that we're not going to survive that. We don't know how long we'll survive. You know, we could survive a thousand years or 500 years or maybe a million years or maybe even a billion years. We don't know. But there's a good reasonable chance that we won't, well, we're not going to survive forever. And there's a good reasonable chance that it won't be as long as a million years. Let's <laughs> put it that way. And so uh, without being negative about the whole thing, the question is, well, what could we do today that would make our life more meaningful, um, our existence more meaningful after we're gone, N as individuals, but as a species? And I hadn't really read anything about this before. Maybe some people have written about it, but I was not aware of it. And I think it's an interesting thing to think about. And, and it's interesting in relationship to, human to intelligence, because if you ask what's unique about us, What's unique about humans? What would we want to preserve? What would, what would we have to offer the future if we weren't here anymore? Um, I don't think it's our genetic profile. I don't think it's, you know, what I had for breakfast this morning. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, you know, it's our intelligence and what we knew about the world. What did we know about the world? Uh, what did we learn? What was our sum knowledge that we had accumulated? This is what uh, beings in the future would want to know. Um, and I talk about various ways we might think about preserving that preserving our, not only the fact that we once existed, uh, which is an important thing to do, but what we knew um, and how could we make this last for, uh, you know, millions or billions of years. Um, and, and so it's, it, it, and I think that to me, that thinking about these issues sort of grounds my own life a bit, right? Like, okay, it's like, well, what am I trying to do in life? How can I impact the future? And and, and so when you think about that, you, you tend to be a little bit more, um, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word for this, but you, you think a little bit more, uh, how do I benefit the future as opposed to what's benefiting me? And I think we could do that a bit, thinking about humanity and intelligence. Uh, and so um, that, that chapter has several um, very specific proposals about mm -hmm. what we might do uh, to preserve um, knowledge about ourselves. And I talk about SETI, the search for extraterrestrial intelligence, um, and how to think, ways of thinking about that, um, and so on. So, but that leads us into the, that leads us into the, to somewhat into the next uh, and final chapter of the book. Which is genes versus knowledge. Yeah, yeah. And, and this, I, I, I'm really trying to get us to think about, like people to think about, you know, what is it, what's life about? And why, why do we care? And why do we want to preserve ourselves? And what is a, what's a, a, an uber goal of living? I mean, it's it's great that we we enjoy life and we raise our children and and we love one another and these are all good things. But we can also think about um, you know what is the, the broader goals we might want to achieve of the arc of history. And I make the I, I basically the title of the chapter genes versus knowledge. Is to, is to make us realize that life has all been about genes, our genetic competition in a sense, Darwinian competition, competition. That has been what life has been about until fairly recently. And in humans, we have a new thing going on. We have knowledge about the world. Um, intelligence is an embodiment of knowledge about the world. We've built a model of the world in our head and we're expanding it rapidly. And that itself is a, is a, a thing worth preserving. Knowledge itself can replicate and be preserved and genes can replicate and be preserved. And, and just understanding that, that these are two sort of competing forces now, you know, and, and can we as a species move from, you know, coming out of our ancestral roots of, 
being all about genetic evolution and survival, can we transition to one where we're more primarily focused on um, our, our evolution uh, and, and development of knowledge about the world and, and the pres preservation of knowledge about the world, which is really what defines us. Otherwise, you know, if you take away our brains and intelligence, we're just like, you know, we might, might as well be a squid. <laughs> so um, nothing's wrong about squids, they're pretty smart right. too. So um, sorry about that for all those squids out there. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, it's, it, it's really sort of the sort of completing the arc of like, okay, if we understand what intelligence is and how our brains create it, well, what does this tell us about the future? Um, how we might think about ourselves as a species and, and, our, and our role in the universe and what we might hope to achieve over the coming uh, millennia and millions of years. Well, and one thing I'm excited for readers to see, you alluded to it earlier, and I don't want to give it away, literally the end of the book. Um, you have a section on final thoughts, which um, which really, you know, kind of not only summarizes the book, but also really makes clear what you're hoping people will get out of it. I, I, I found it hopeful. I found it actionable. Um, and I think um, I think people will uh, leave this book on on a positive note where they, I just don't think they will think about themselves the same again. Um, yeah, I, that's the hope. I mean, I mean, as we just talked about, these last few chapters are pretty highfalutin, you know, like, you know, we're talking about the future of humanity and traveling through space and all, yeah, all this stuff, right? And then like, but okay, but we all have to get up tomorrow and put our clothes right. on and, and take care of our children and so on. And, um, but how do we, how do we sort of you know, let's bring it back down to the everyday. How do we take our, who we are right now and how, what, how can we act today in a, an actionable way, as you say, to, um, to um, move forward as a species. And, um, and I tried to bring that back at the very end of the book. Yeah. Um, Cause you know, you don't want to leave it hanging like, you know, some sci-fi sci novel. <laughs> it's like, now we're here, we gotta live. We gotta, to do we, let's do all this stuff, right? Yeah, so uh, I tried to do that. Uh, so there is a, semi-chapter at the end called Final Thoughts, yes. uh, which sort of ties it all together. So and that's well, it. Very excited for the book to come out. It, uh, it launches on March 2nd. It's available for pre-order now, and we'll share the Amazon link in the YouTube description. Um, but thank you, Jeff, for talking through the book uh, in this video series and hope you all enjoyed uh, watching it. We hope you'll enjoy even more reading it um, and look forward to future discussions about it. Yeah, I think I, my, my hope is um, I, I didn't write a book to sell a lot of books. Uh, by the way, it's a lot of work writing a book. <laughs> uh, as you know, uh, Christy, it takes well over a year to do this, maybe a year and a half. Um, but, um, but I do think the ideas are worth discussing and the ideas are worth knowing. And so the goal of the book is to have people understand something about themselves that they didn't know before. And to think about their lives perhaps in different ways than they hadn't known before. And to think about AI in different ways they hadn't thought before. And so to me, the goal of this is to have people understand these ideas and discuss them. Um, and I don't care how you get that, but reading the book would be a good way to do that. So uh, that's why I wrote the book. So I hope, you, I hope people enjoy it and I look forward to hearing what people think about it. Great. All right. Well, thank you, Jeff. And thank you all for watching. Thanks, Christy. Thanks, everyone.